Hi everyone, Sean Paul Ellis here from the Saturday Morning Cartoons Podcast with your weekly pre-show announcements. First and foremost, Happy New Year everyone! We hope you had a great end to the year for 2019 and welcome to 2020. <laughs> We're now in the future. We're really excited for this new year and we hope that you are too. So let's get into these quick pre-show announcements that I'm so fantastic at. We have a shout out, Patreon request, and what's actually happening on today's episode. Our shout out comes from episode 86, Cat Dog on YouTube. Soggy Waffle XP says, TBH, this show is underrated. Change my mind. Soggy Waffle XP, I'm not going to change your mind. I just did not enjoy Cat Dog. It did not resonate for me. Uh, I, I didn't love it. I'm really sorry. I'm not going to change your mind. It's a Nicktoon, which is relevant to today's episode, but it just didn't work for me. So I hope that somebody goes and changes his mind. And I hope that you find that soggy waffle. Uh, I wish nothing but the best for you. A quick ask. We have a Patreon account. I know, I know, I know. It's past the holiday season. You still want to give us a present. I can totally relate. And thank you. You can support this show and our original content. We like this show. You like this show. But we also don't like stuff with ads in it. So we'd like to keep the show as ad-free as possible. So consider being a patron. We'd really appreciate it. Dave and myself, and it could be as little as a dollar a month or as many Bezos bucks as you want to. It can be a lot of Disney dollars or Marvel money. We don't care. Either way, we're happy. Don't want to support us? That's cool. This message isn't for you. Uh, you can still unwrap this free episode and enjoy it in 2020. If you do want to support us, awesome. We really appreciate it from the bottom of our hearts. You can click the link in any of our social media sites, or you can search Saturday Morning Cartoons on Patreon. Just remember, that's morning with you. So what's actually on today's episode? This is a return to something that we love. Every January, we do New Year's Nicktoons. We've watched a lot of Nicktoons up to this point. Today's episode, extra special. So let me begin with the following. Water, earth, fire, air. My grandmother used to tell me stories about the old days, a time of peace when the Avatar kept balance between the Water Tribes, Earth Kingdom, Fire Nation, and air nomads, but all that changed when the Fire Nation attacked. If these words don't put maybe, you know, chills like in the back of your neck and don't prime you to get ready for this incredible trip, I don't know what's going to help you. We are watching Avatar The Last Airbender. I can't wait to talk about this show, and we have an extra special guest returning to the program. So now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoons, the Collider weekly podcast for all things animation, including news, reviews, and interviews. Coming to you from the Fire Nation, I'll be your co-host, Sean Paul Ellis. And joining me from the Northern Water Tribe, welcome my co-host, Dave Trombort. David, 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 how you doing, buddy? Doing good, bud. Just doing a little New Year's bending. You know how you do. How about you? What have you been up to? Uh, I am doing some New Year's bending as well. I'm yeah. having a good time with it. Yeah. So we're in 2020. What you bending bend up, it up this year? Uh, just bending a bunch of just fire from right now. Just from the, just the general fire? Just just general. I got a candle lit here. and I'm just, I feel like know. we need to get together because it is cold AF <laughs> up here in the Northern Water Tribe. It's mostly ice. Yeah. Give me a bit of a struggle here in the new year, but um, I don't know. I feel like we need to get together. And if yeah. we had one more, that'd be great too. Uh, I think we can also make that we happen. We can wrestle up one more? Okay. We can because we're turning to the show from Bossing Say. Welcome our guest back to the show, Melanie Harker. Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> From Boston. Coming in with that drop them clay tracks. <laughs> Coming in with that classic catchphrase of yo, yo, yo. Uh, the classic bossing say catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> Dozens of times when you've been on the show. Known before. for its progressive music. Bossing say is known <laughs> for uh, haiku, which is a kind of rap. So. Sure. That's, yeah, actually. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. <clears throat> it feels different. 2020. 2020 it feels different. Feels yep, so different. I know. It's the log line for this entire year. Yep, pretty much. Well, if you are not familiar with what we are talking about in any way, shape, or form, don't worry about it. We are going to guide you through it. We are talking today about Avatar, The Last Airbender. From James Cameron. So no. good. Oh, no. my God. What an incredible Jeez. film. You're, ca you're canceled, Dave. No, no, that's what we're talking about because it's the whole Navi and nope, there's that nope, tree nope. and the fern gully thing that everything goes this into This was it. not in my contract. My <laughs> rider was not fulfilled. Uh, so I'm going to have to go. 
Here are some clay pots that I made out of the ground for Thank the both you. of you. Um, oh, I'll put my filled, water in it as soon as it thaws from ice. Well, it's filled with my shit, so see you later. Oh, That's wow. going to be rough. <laughs> it's a... Uh, very weird. I kiln dried those, so it's a uh, it's a little problematic. Look, I feel like we all work together to make these pots. Maybe I don't know what I did, but uh, maybe we can maybe we can get through this. I think we can get through this. Well, they we're have talking wave Shyamalan's patterns. Avatar. Is that right? Oh my, no. right? Today's episode. No, we're not going to do oh James God. Cameron. So don't worry. No, and Shyamalan. There were so we got two bad things to combat here. Oh, let's get gosh. them both out of the way and talk about. Yeah, the good let's stuff. just just airbend them out of here. This is amazing because we are actually. A cartoon podcast. So we're going to be talking about the cartoon, Avatar, The Last Airbender. You know, the one that's far superior to the other two things that we talked about. It's the best one of the three. In fact, it's far superior Mm -hmm. to those other two that we've talked about. Do not watch those other two. Do not support James Cameron. Do not support M. Night Shyamalan with that live adaptation that he made of that movie. We're going to be talking a little bit about Avatar, The Last Airbender. To kick us off, though, I want to ask the all-important question. If we could bend a particular element, what would be that element that you would want to bend? And mm. Melanie, as our guest, I'd love to get your answer. So you placed me in the perfect bending atmosphere because I would love to be an earthbender. Okay. And more importantly, I want to do what what, to- what Toph does because I really want to like metal and earthbend because we know in the future when we're going to be just filled with landfills, it's going to be just all like products of the earth anyway. So if I want to command the future, earth bending is going to be where it's That's so at. weird because I was going to be a garbage bender. And you oh. kind of. I mean, I guess I can kind of do that now. Well, yeah. With just like kind a shovel. Of. Yeah. I do want to say for the both of you, I think it's pretty beautiful that you have thought of the idea of let's go something ecological. Like let's Captain Planet the heck out of this as much as we can. That's very, that's very thoughtful the both of you. Sure. I mean, we're not going to like try to take over all the individual nations of a a planet. That would be insane. But I will build a fortress that no one can get inside. That's true. It's just going to be made of trash. Wow. Yeah. On an island. Mixed on an island that I'm going to build from nothing because I'm an earthbender. Okay. I like how all of this is going so far. Dave, what element would you bend? Uh, two questions. One, sure. is gravity an element? Uh, oh. Why I, isn't gravity an element in the show? That's I, a, that's I a always, counter question. I always, well, it's a good counter question. I don't I think they think got gravity... to like Newtonian physics or anything. In, right. In I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say I always thought of it as like a state of physics. Sure. Uh, so I would say it's not So an I element. can't bend that. How about plastic? Uh, yeah, sure. See, I consider plastic a part of Earth. Consider pla- so, so plastic is, is an extension of Earth bending. Uh, I'm just being stupid and asking questions to kind of stretch <laughs> the ideas here. But for me, no, you actually put me in the right tribe. I, I think I would like to be a waterbender for a variety of reasons, which we will get into throughout the course of this discussion. Because mm. there are some interesting things that they do with the mythology of waterbenders that I think is pretty cool and actually kind of dark at times. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Very, very dark. How very about you, weird. bud? What would you burn? What would you band? Uh, you know, I put myself in the Fire Nation, mm-hmm. and I think I did that just because if I said Air Nomads, it would probably go over a lot of people's heads. Plus, Fire Bending or Fire Nation, just in general, is sort of the first thing that you kind of come into in the theme song itself. Was yeah. Air going over people's heads a uh, pun? Was that an Air pun? Uh, no, you that a, was not a pun intended bender? to be. I'm, oh boy, <laughs> just no, that was not coming the, at you from the nomads. Is that what you were worried about? People being like, no, the nomads, because if you say air nomads, you know, we, you have very recognizable tribes mm-hmm. that you have and cities for a lot of the, the groups and the, the, uh, elemental bending that you have within this universe. Mm-hmm. And so the air nomads kind of get, I don't want to say neglected, but you're kind of only focusing on Aang. You're not really kind of focusing on the air nomads. They didn't super a... get neglected. They got very genocidally wiped out. I was going to say, yes. yeah. You could have mentioned the temple. Yeah. The I, air I, temple. I could have. I would have wanted to be an airbender. You would I have? Love, okay, cool. I, I, I love airbending. I just think Fire Nation, because it's in the theme song, and it kind of, uh, or in the introduction, yeah, yeah. it sort of has a little bit better name recognition. Uh this kind of goes back to the whole idea of like which Ninja Turtle would you be? I always think I'm one Ninja Turtle and I end up always being another Ninja Turtle. The uh, Fire Turtle is usually yeah, what yeah, yeah. Always the Fire. Turtle. Always a Fire Turtle. There's always a turtle on fire. <laughs> never, never the turtle That's I want to be. That's probably true. I'm probably more of a water turtle than an Earth turtle. <laughs> Aren't all turtles water turtles? 
I mean, I thought no, we were doing a joke turtles. about about the elements <laughs> and Ninja Turtles. I don't we're know how no one takes Air Turtle because that just sounds amazing. <laughs> it, <laughs> it just does. sounds fantastic. It's air yeah. Turtle. Yeah. 100% want to be an Air Turtle. Man, if none of this made any sense <laughs> to you whatsoever. I'm already lost, to be honest. <laughs> well, if you do have a very specific uh, element that you would want to be a part of or a tribe within the Avatar world, please message us and let us know. We'd love to know where you fall in terms of where you would want to be or what kind of Ninja Turtle that you would like to be in the Avatar universe. I'm cool with that as well. Don't worry. But for Avatar The Last Airbender, we are going to give you the full synopsis by kicking this over to our longtime listener and friend of the show, Bobby Anthem. Bobby, take it away. The world is divided into four elemental nations, the Northern and Southern Water Tribes, the Earth Kingdom, the Fire Nation, and the Air Nomads. The Avatar upholds the balance between the nations, but everything changed when the Fire Nation invaded. Only the Avatar, master of all four elements, can stop them. But when the world needs him most, he vanishes. A hundred years later, Katara and Sokka discover the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. Together they must help Aang master the elements and save the world. Perfect. Excellent. Thank you, Bobby, for clarifying the mess that we had made with introducing Ninja Turtles as a concept into this. I basically did that to myself, so... <laughs> take full responsibility 2020 year i take full responsibility for everything on the show i would love to see a bunch of like crossovers of uh cartoons with this world though like one one thing i would really like to see and i know legend of Korra is out there and we'll talk about that a little bit but i would love to see more stories set in this world sure. oh my god yes please from from all different so and they've done a good job in legend of Korra by introducing not just you know they get away from just benders a little bit we get like a pro bending uh entertainment sports circuit we get some like clandestine um you know assassins clubs or whatever assassins clubs do assassins join clubs assassins creeds yeah assassins creeds that we get yeah so we we get some interesting uh, exploration of the mythology there but i I want more i'd love to go back to this world and and see some more stuff but getting ahead of myself no, no, no. That's there's there's a lot of richness to this, and in order to kind of get into this uh, for our episode itself, we're going to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. No, we're not talking about the spaghetti western of the exact same name. We're actually going to talk about the things that we liked, the good. We're going to talk about the things that we didn't like, the bad. And we're going to talk about the LOL, the things that made us laugh either intentionally or unintentionally, the things that were delightful in this particular show, because. We know that a lot of time and a lot of people go into actually creating these cartoons. We want to give them the respect they deserve. So uh, for this, I can say I know that I have watched all of Avatar, The Last Airbender. I know that Dave has. I know that Melanie has. So Mm -hmm. this is a show where we have actually watched everything, which is a rarity. (laughs) And we didn't just watch this for the show. I actually want to say that when Melanie and I, many years ago, had originally started dating, this was something that when you and I, Dave, created the show, she mentioned and said, yeah. you should watch Avatar, The Last Airbender. And I was like, I don't know, I, maybe. Is this something we, we haven't covered this at all before? Because no. I know no. this is part of, we didn't mention this, but this is part of our New Year's Nicktoons coverage, oh, yeah. which if you guys go back through previous January months, uh, we've covered all the Nicktoons in order from the beginning. And we thought, because we're old and we stopped watching Nicktoons at a normal point in our lives, <laughs> we were like, well, the last one we watched is probably the last one that ever existed and no more could have possibly been made. No, there's like a bunch more. Uh, we just haven't, yeah. we we don't have that like background, uh, you know, from our childhood or even from adolescence or whatever. We don't have those experiences except probably for Avatar. Avatar is probably the last one that can be considered a Nicktoon that we actually have like life experience of when it came out in, uh, what was 2005 to 2008. Uh, so we're actually mm-hmm. in the 15th anniversary this year. And if you guys are fans out there, uh, Nickelodeon is going to be releasing a new 15th anniversary steelbook collection of the entire series. You can find out a lot more info about that uh, wherever you want to pre-order it from. But this was just a happy uh, coincidence that we, we we got to talk about Avatar finally. And it happens to be the 15th anniversary. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, this has all fallen in perfect alignment for our January 2020 New Year's Nicktoons. So I can't wait to really kind of get into this. So let's begin. Let's talk about some of the things that we like about this series. Now, we're not going to talk about each individual maybe episodes or or particular things. We're not going to deconstruct a particular episode because as we've mentioned, this is, we've watched all of this. And they're all good. Three seasons. Yeah. Three seasons worth of 
uh, watching Aang and all of these characters go through everything within this world, we're not going to get to nitpick your your particular things or, or something that you might love. If we miss something, please let us know. Yeah. Message us on Twitter. Let us know some of your favorite memories about this. But in the meantime, these are the things that we remember and that we have watched that we love about this show. And so, Dave, you kind of began to allude to something that you really enjoyed in this. It's something that I love as a part of this well, and it's something that you even see down the road in Legends of Korra. And so I'd love to kind of, what was your, what was something that you felt that you loved? What was your kind of impression that you had from Sure. The, the I show? mean, you guys, we, we've got our show notes here, and we're definitely going to talk about kind of the nuts and bolts of the storytelling, how good it is, how much it's kind of an example for any other storytellers out there to kind of look to and be like, oh, that's how you put a cohesive narrative together that actually pays off at the end. Um, yep. There's a lot of great craft stuff there. But I think sometimes, even on this show, when we review stuff critically, we lose sight of just like, the fun and fantasy element of stories like this. And for me, that's tops in Avatar. It just, the um, the mythology they introduce, the terminology that they introduce, and then how they expand and push that throughout the seasons. So setting a story around martial artists who are inspired by or, or uh, based on different elements, that's not new. I mean, if that was all the Avatar had going for it, it would have been okay, but it wouldn't have been as great as it is. Because that's been done before. I mean, you can, you can look at Power Rangers, you can look at Battle Beasts. I mean, you can look at a ton of things over the years that have been like, oh, we have powers and they're, you know, they come from the elements. Captain Planet, like Sean mentioned earlier. That's not new. What they do with it is. So they introduce this world and they establish the rules. And then over the course of these seasons, as the characters grow and evolve and change and train and learn new things, they kind of break those rules down and they find new ways of doing things. And one of my absolute favorite things that they do is how they mess with the varieties of bending. So we were goofing around earlier talking about garbage and gravity and plastic and all that. But the series does interesting things with uh, specifically water bending. And then as Mel mentioned earlier, with earth bending. So a subset of earth bending can be glimpsed in um, a season two, episode 19 called The Guru. And you actually get to see one of my favorite characters. I know it's some of your favorite characters as well. You get to see some actual metal bending come about. Like, no one had really done that before. And you get to see it kind of be created on the show. So you get to see, and, and I love this stuff, you get to see the little details of how that comes together. They don't just say, oh, you can also metal bend. They show how it comes about, and she actually has to, like, work towards it. Another great example of how they kind of twist water bending. Uh, season 2, Episode 4, The Swamp. We get to meet uh, swamp benders. So these are <laughs> these are people who live in the swamp, which is great characters to begin with. And they don't just bend water in the swamp and do cool stuff with it. They actually bend water within plants. And they kind of make plant monsters come to life, more or less, because they're manipulating the water that's in these plants. They also, you know, manipulate things in, in the vines, things in the moss and trees and everything around them. And they can create a whole bunch of stuff within their own little world. That's cool. But it also is sort of a, a nod to a little bit darker take on water bending, as seen in Season 3, Episode 8 the puppet master this might be my favorite episode of the entire series it doesn't have a whole lot to do with the main plot which we can talk about in a a minute when we talk about the overarching uh, plot but it's dark man Uh, this goes to some darker places and that is what made me respect the show a little bit more and it's late into the series but i was just kind of like okay they're not afraid to take some interesting risks and interesting chances you essentially get to see bloodbending which is a master waterbender taking control of another person's body by bending the blood within their body, which is like, that's even a weird thing to say now, (laughs) you know, 10, 10, 15 years later. And the fact they did it in like a kid show and they made it into a horror episode was really, really well done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I remember watching that episode and thinking to myself, oh God, this really kind of unlocks the possibilities of what you have within this universe, just in terms of the, the different types of elements or how people are able to to, to change based on their, their geographic location. And power course. versus responsibility, too. Oh like, you God, have yeah. this power, but you probably should not be using it to do what you're currently doing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And it, it's interesting to see, as you mentioned, like sort of the the horror aspect of yeah. this with bloodbending. I love the idea that they're able to introduce these really mature concepts into a kid's show. Right. And still keep them grounded and and still keep them interesting enough that you know your your interest is peaked because if these things are possibilities what else can we do 
within yeah. this world. Can we swamp bend stuff? Yeah. Right. For that specific episode, it's like on the surface, like I was talking about the nuts and bolts of the mythology. It's like, that's cool and creepy because it adds a layer to the, to the bending mythology. But on a storytelling level, it's about consent. It's about limits of, of power and control and responsibilities and things like that. There's a lot more you can dig into. And honestly, for all the 60 plus episodes, that's what Avatar does really well. It layers the fun uh, fun level of the mythology with all the, the, you know, the nuts and bolts of storytelling. Right. Melanie, kind of along that lines, what was something that you really enjoyed about Avatar? So I think Dave mostly said it perfectly. Like the oh, storytelling man. is flawless. No, it's okay. No, it's good. Because the storytelling is flawless because it focuses on one key concept, which you sort of were men- mentioned around it, but it is balance yeah. in every sort of facet when you talk about sort of the the different the different schools of of combat that they sort of drew inspiration from that go along with each of the elements and then you think about with just from that first episode Sean and I rewatched the beginning and the end to kind of like marry everything together yeah. and you think about the early days of Zuko like learning from his uncle about how to firebend and it's as much of the muscle as it is the breath and that kind of constant theme is like in every single episode through this entire show in a way that still is fresh still is interesting still is like restores balance because that's the goal of the show the goal of the show is very very crystal clear Aang as the avatar needs to restore balance to the world that's been tossed into chaos by the fire nation and so you go through this learning about all these incredible cultures that have been microcosmically created for each of these elements and you look at the people you look at how strangely accessible a lot of them feel but then they're also balanced with this sort of fantastical mythos and characters and and elements and that sort of thing but then you also you just again you just kind of go through each of these worlds you get all the way to the end and (laughs) spoiler alert it's all about balance it's Aang's choice of whether to teach this ultimate lesson by being like he's filled with all this ultimate avatar power. He can either strike down and kill the person who is to to quote restore balance, but he knows that that's not how balance is truly restored because he's from the air nomads and their, you know, their practices and their beliefs like don't jive with just like smiting someone for being terrible. So and he's, he, and he's also got like, you know, thousands of generations or however many oh other avatars too that he can tap into, which is, yeah. which is an idea that like we learned from prior generations and that's passed down. The avatars yeah. just get to do it in a very cool way. Yeah. And even visually in that last scene, it's avatar Ang like sitting in this sphere that's perfectly balanced with like orbiting bits of different elements all around him that kind of become like this, <laughs> hamster ball of doom <laughs> you know what i mean but it's it is truly the way he the way the avatar is able to balance all the elements the give and the take like if you're gonna do this this is you know there's a cause and effect to everything that kind of like um symbiotic storytelling and theme is just that's what makes the show so amazing with every dark moment there's got to be something light dumb that Sokka has done or that one of the cute animals has done you know or what have you. Every dark episode, there's like a light, fun, kind of jaunty episode that comes with it. And it always, it's like, you're, you're kind of moving through the cycle as the characters are moving through their cycles. And it makes it really awesome. Yeah. I mean, for something that's as complex as a hundred year war that has been going on throughout this entire world that they've built, there are these really unbelievable moments of levity and, and silliness you know, when you recognize that Aang is a 12-year-old boy yeah. and all of the events that are over the course of these these three uh, these three seasons of the show occur within one year. Yeah. yeah. Everything happens within that one-year period of time uh, to kind of, you know, and if Aang is 12, he's probably 13 by the time this ends. And I, I, think, uh, I think some of the other characters may be slightly older um, than he is. You know, so respectively, these are all kids going through this unbelievable journey of having to grow up too fast or having to grow up in a time of war too fast and, and 
really having a lot on their mind and still being able to find these moments where they're able to be children and watching that is delightful. And what's interesting from that is that's kind of like the core premise where this starts. So Aang knew that he was going to become the Avatar. He kind of ran away from that responsibility when he was very, very young and then got trapped. And kind of that is the reason that this imbalance was able to arise was because there was no Avatar there to keep that balance to maintain it so some people rose into power and other people waned and there was no balance left because he was a kid and he took that moment to kind of just hide he didn't want to deal with it and he didn't know how to deal with it so he ran away and you think about that from the target audience this being a nickelodeon show really kind of probably targeting and focusing on a a, a younger audience that's immediately relatable yeah you know for anybody who Everybody who's probably listening have thought to themselves, even as an adult, I don't want to deal with this responsibility today. Do I have to get out of bed and deal I with this I just want to make an air ball and, and ride around on it. Yeah, I just <laughs> want to get every frozen day. in some ice in the <laughs> South Pole and just chill there. Why can't I do that, Dave? Well, what's funny is you mentioned, like both of you mentioned, that there always is some levity to go with uh, the darkness and the heaviness and the drama on this show. Every single time without fail, this is one of those cartoons that I would watch the intro. Not only because it's short, yes. mm-hmm. it reminds you of what's going on, but every single time Aang, Aang rides this little air ball and he smashes <laughs> into a statue and falls over. And every <laughs> single time I laugh. I used to watch this with a roommate of mine and he would laugh, not because the show was making him laugh, but because my laugh caused him to laugh. Because it happened every single time without fail. And it's just one of those things that reminds you, like, this kid is all powerful and has the weight of the known world, like, on his shoulders. But he still has the, you know, the childlike innocence to just ride around on an air ball and smash into a statue and fall right. over. So it's fun. Yeah. It, you bring up something about just sort of the intro and watching the intro. I will say during our revisit of episode one, and I know that it changes after the first episode uh, for subsequent episodes, the introduction to this, I'm not going to read through it or, or really get into it, but they do such a masterful job of being able to set up the, the universe, the environment, what's at stake. And they do this within about two paragraphs. Yeah. And and for me to watch it, there was that moment where I thought, yeah, like I, I now have all the context. Granted, I don't really have a roll call. And I know that in many cases, I've criticized other cartoons about not giving a roll call. That's well, usually if you have like 20 characters that we need to exactly. keep track of and they all look the yeah. same and they don't have personalities. Yeah, Correct. And in this you're fortunate that there was a lot of time as as Melanie has said in terms of storytelling and really kind of constructing those particular characters within the story where they have a lot of that breathing room. There is a lot of complexity in terms of what's going on. And that's great to be able to kind of watch all of that and get those individual distinct personalities and then go on that journey with them too. So nothing ever felt rushed right. in terms of doing that. And I love that this this introduction gives that context to be able to kind of very safely, gently drop you in this world that, you know, is familiar. I mean, they have the same kind of elements that we have, you know, the people, it's not like we're watching robots, you know, bending elements and stuff like that. So there there are things that you can see and immediately understand and, and feel that they're relatable, but it kind of drops you in this complex situation and it does it in such a masterful way that you walk away just going, yeah, I feel tucked in under a gravity blanket in terms of how comfortable I am with, with getting ready to jump into this universe. Like I'm, I'm satisfied with everything that's there. Well, and you mentioned too, so not just the familiarity of the elements themselves, but they also do something that grounds it to kind of our culture. So like human culture, uh, specifically different um, Eastern martial arts. And Sean, you specifically bring up how they kind of tie them together. The production, I believe they spoke with a martial artist by the name of Eric Chen. I I believe that's his name. And he kind of provided the, almost like motion capture, he provided the movements for the artists to kind of watch how he did different moves. And that's how they kind of came up with the different styles of bending. Uh, And I think you have a list there. Right. For Earth, we had Hungar. For Water, we had Tai Chi. For Fire, we had Shaolin Kung Fu. So directly inspired by the Wu-Tang Clan, which is perfect. And then Air, help me out with this name, Melanie. Okay. The put internet's going to come after put me her on this the spot. one. <laughs> Baguazong is what I think it is. Sounds right. Right. But listen, I'm a French major, so <laughs> C- come at me, internet. I'm so sorry. Please help. Please teach me. <laughs> but it, it's wonderful to see that they actually had something that was a reference that they're 
it is based in some kind of reality. And I remember the first time I discovered this was maybe a year or two after I'd actually finished watching the show. I was on Imager and they had a, a GIF that was showing all of the different motion captures that they had yeah. from this martial artist kind of going through it. And I thought to myself, oh my God, one, I got to share this with Melanie so that she can see it. And two, I was like, this is incredible to watch. I had no idea that they had gone into this level of, of research and detail in order to create these different distinct styles. Yeah, for one thing, it gives each of those nations and each of those different benders a shared style, right? So you can have right. an entire yeah. Fire Nation. They're not just all doing their own thing. Now, with with limits, because there are some who will modify, will add their own unique style and, and spins on things. But from like a basic foundation, they're all speaking the same language. They're all doing the same basic movements. You know, right. Iroh talks a lot about footwork. Toph definitely talks a lot about footwork and breathing mm -hmm. and form and function and focus. And each element has a different kind of style. Like the earthbenders are very rooted uh, in their beliefs. They're very like firm foundations and they're, they're tough to move. Like they're stubborn uh, and they're good. <laughs> they're great at like defense, but put that up against somebody like Aang from the air nation where every, they're very wispy and they kind of, they're almost like drunken boxer style where they kind of like flow around things and they avoid stuff more often than, than striking. And they, right. they, they move away and around instead of directly confronting. So they did a fantastic job of, of marrying the uh, elements that we know with the styles that are recognizable and really cool to watch uh, with the personalities of not just the benders, but the nations themselves. Right. No, absolutely. It's, it's, it's awesome to be able to watch. And it's fun to see sort of the nuances within because... You know, for Fire Nation being based off of, of Shaolin Kung Fu, yeah. you see Zuko being so uh, petulant and agitated yeah. and so frustrated and really just kind of, uh, you know, firing off, for lack of a better word. There's no <laughs> pun intended on that. You know, just getting very frustrated with a lot of things, but then to contrast with his uncle right. and see just how calm and relaxed he is in terms of everything. But super strong, too. Like, he's oh not a pushover. He's fun to watch. Like, when yeah. he gets captured and thrown in jail in the series and then takes off his shirt and you're just like, Ugh. oh, man, he's okay. Like, he's got granddad like, bod. Yeah. 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 <laughs> if granddad bod was like. <laughs> Uncle bod. You know. Yeah. If Uncle, if Uncle bod was like <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime bod yeah. and he just basically is like, nah, I'm not going to take this. I'm getting out of here. You know, I love like, that. Oh. You don't expect it. Like the same with the. Oh, my God. Well, who's the who's the king? King Boomy of bossing oh, say yeah. same kind of thing when he first arrives yeah. you're like this guy is crazy and like he's brittle and like frail and about to fall apart but then he does the same thing where he's just like uncle bod and he's just yeah. he's jacked and he's a crazy like earthbender they have yeah. so many fun like plays and reveals with that yeah yeah in that final fight there's such a satisfying moment where boomy just is like i'm gonna stack up all these tanks watch me yeah and then they're just like and then they, they they sort of like get stacked up and then like all the operators like come out and they're like Bleh. they're like all gonna vomit it's amazing yeah so good but it's great to kind of see all of those cameos from all those characters that they've right. they've you've been introduced to over that long extended period of time because the the final episode is actually four part right. episode uh i want to say just the characters are so satisfying i know that we've talked a lot about environment we've talked a lot about storytelling craft everything that's gone into this but these the you know we we've even talked about the you know the the physical kind of lexicon that they built with a lot of the different uh, martial arts styles, but these characters and just the the look and the feel of all their different cultures and everything that's into this, these characters are what make this story so interesting and so unique. You know, all of the the Airbenders, you know, with sort of the the look and their feel. I mean, even as distinct as Ang is, you know, with actually seeing these. I guess they're like almost like blue arrows. The tattoos, yeah. The mm -hmm. tattoos that go around his body that kind of are they they're lined up to like mark like lines of chi that he has like all throughout, you know, to to kind of allow him to harness some of that power. Uh and like in that first episode when you see the arrow and his eyes glow, yeah. you kind of get a you get a very small glimpse and taste of wow, there is an unbelievable larger power that's at play here. Like, how is he going to tap into this? You know? And in that moment when you find out about it, you realize that it's probably more of a reflex that he was able to trigger that as sort of a, a safety or defense mechanism right. than anything else. It's not like him trying to really use or, or utilize this power in something that you would consider to be indicative of an avatar, somebody who can harness all four of these, these elemental powers. It's really just him in a self-preservation mode. 
And I like that they introduced that into the mythology too, where it's sort of like you need to train to be able to, like Mel mentioned, balance, master all the elements, and then call upon that power when you absolutely need it. But Mm -hmm. it also puts you in an, an incredibly vulnerable state. So if you happen to be killed when you're in that state, that tie is severed. So you're, you know, if you're injured, if you're whatever, you may lose that connection to those powers, to your bending abilities overall. That's one thing they don't really go into. And I I don't know, maybe we want to talk about the quote unquote bad stuff uh, after we talk about maybe some favorite characters. But like, yeah, the only thing that I would knock this for is I don't know where those bending abilities come from. It's kind of like the force. And I'm glad there's no like midichlorians to explain bending. But like, there's no, there's no, I don't know. Maybe I missed it, but it's like some people have this ability and some people like like Sokka, they don't. And they have to deal with kind of things on their own. So I don't remember what you know, maybe that mythology was. So it could have been laid out a little bit better, I think. So there there is some elements that I think are are introduced about sort of like the, the force that's at play. Isn't there like a the lion turtle? Oh, the, And so yeah. there's there's different... I think each different element has sort of like a, a, a like a guiding spirit or a guiding uh, animal that kind of controls. But to your point, Dave, I don't think it's ever really kind of explained who has access or why they have access or who kind of gets tapped to have that ability or that particular power. Yeah, it's not like, as you know? far as I know, it's not like, uh, it's not usually handed down through like a royal bloodline or it's not like only in a family versus versus this or that. Now, we do have the royal family of the Fire Nation who are all pretty powerful uh, in their own rights. But then you have like, you know, Sokka and Katara where Katara is, she grows to be a very powerful waterbender, but Sokka is just kind of, he just has to do his best <laughs> without right, any yeah. bending skills, so. And then, and that's in the Southern Tribe and the Northern Tribe, the waterbenders are predominantly male. Is that correct? I do remember something about there being like only like an only female bending group or something like that. But I Be, yeah, I could be wrong. Right. It's very interesting too because you know even as the story continues beyond Aang's story, yeah. there there are elements where you see a lot of people training very hard you know, to become a bender within a specific elemental discipline, right? they might not necessarily get there. Uh, and, and so and there they're are usually a lot of limited, challenges with that. Sorry, right? and they're, they're usually limited from being able to cross and, and do a different one as well. There are very few who can do two. Um, I think that's actually talked about in Legend of Kara, where it's sort of like, yeah. oh, this person can do multiple ones. So it's like unheard of to be able to, to use and especially master all four. That's reserved specifically for the Avatar. And I, I will say, you know, the the fun or the interesting thing that you really kind of get dropped into, even in the first episode, is the idea that they're they're talking uh, about Katara and her ability to be able to to waterbend, and her brother is making fun of her about right, it, right? Mm-hmm. And well, because she's not very good in the first episode well, either. She can yeah, maybe <laughs> pull up a little plop of water, and that's about it. Yeah, yeah. she can kind of plop the water with a fish in it, yeah. you know, and that's sort of the extent of what she, she can gets. hold it. But well, that's it. Yeah. She destroyed that entire iceberg. Yes. Yep. And so, so, and so she's I mean, give her more credit than she's due. I, I think, to your point, Melanie, I think she is very strong. I think some of it is more emotional. And so, you know, it's nice to kind of see the training aspect come in to allow her to kind of come into her own and build into that. Mm-hmm. I think that that's rewarding and very satisfying to watch. Uh, but it's it's fun to see that her brother, even in those instances, doesn't think that really like there's a lot of water bending or that it's a big thing or that you should really care about it. In fact, he calls bending weird. Right. Right. He he like he is almost at the point where he's kind of like I don't really believe in it. Like I can see you can do some like kind of maybe parlor tricks a little bit right. and like that's cool and all, but don't like he even makes a comment where he says like keep it to yourself. You're being weird. And I think in that tribe too, it was only maybe her like grandmother that could yeah. bend. I think I was gonna say I think it was her grandmother and maybe her mother before she yeah. died. But they but didn't they didn't use it. Use it. No. Yeah. So, so it wasn't until she met the yeah the northern tribe I think. That yeah. uh, that started to kind of open up, and then there's a whole bunch of spiritual stuff and family stuff, which I think is really nice. These kind of like support groups where some people will will teach you things um, for their own benefit, maybe right. maybe good or not, and some people will teach you things because they want you to actually like learn and grow and and be able to experience these things as you get older. So there's a lot of complex kind of character interactions that uh, come into play over the course of these sixty episodes. Yeah, absolutely. So. We've talked a little bit about these characters. I kind of want to know, yeah. Melanie, mm-hmm. what was your favorite character 
Toph is the best character. Toph is the best character. Hands down. Okay. She rolls. Any particular reason why she rolls? Because she's a lady who knows herself from the beginning. She she comes to kind of expand that view, you know, a little bit. She's very stubborn, as you were sort of mentioning, Dave, about earthbenders and folks that live in Bossing say being very strong in their beliefs, but like anyone who can just like run around with no shoes on and like invent their own way to like bend, you know, cause she is the origination of metal bending. And do you, do you want to talk about that scene? Do you remember that specific scene? Like how remember. she did it? I don't remember. Oh, I didn't want to put you on the spot. Cause Toph no. was my favorite too. So I'm, I'm glad you like, you appreciate her. And um, I don't know. There's just something about the way that she's written and, and, portray that's just so good i think so many people have toff as a favorite it's, it's yeah. funny because we don't meet her till what halfway through i know but yeah. she's so good so oh you should talk about the origination of metal bending but my one of my favorite scenes of toff i don't know how i ended up watching this but i think somehow my first episode of avatar was this like weird episode which is when they're in bossing say and they're waiting to meet um the king of like the earthbender of, of Bossing Say, and they have like a month. They have to like wait out a month before they can meet him. So there's this episode called Tales from Bossing Say, and it's just like these mini, mini, like five minute clips of the characters kind of interacting and like having these adventures on their own. So uh, Katara and Toph have a like a girl's day out. They right. go to the spa. <laughs> she they try to like, you know, carve off the the bunions on her feet and she's like freaking out and like throws one of the ticks on the wall. It's amazing. They like are in the sauna. They're having a good time. So I guess at the spa, they do their makeup. So they, they, you know, Katara and Toph are like walking down They're They're like, that was a really great day. We should do this more often. And then these bitchy girls come at them and are like, great makeup for clowns. Yeah. You should be like, you should put this on my poodle. <laughs> You're like my poodle. And then Toph is just like, I know, right? really funny and like turns around and just carves um, a hole in the bridge that they're all standing on. And then all these bitches just fall into the water. <laughs> and then Katara pushes them down the river with her like water bending. And you it's see this moment. Up. It's fantastic team up. Should have been more of that in the show. But you see this moment where, um, you know, Katara is talking to Toph about like, don't listen to those girls. They suck. And Toph's like, I know, I know who I am. I don't need anyone to tell me who I am because I'm blind. And I, from the moment I like knew that this was who I was, like I decided to get real with who I am and I don't even care because I can't see what I look like. So I don't give a shit what anyone else thinks of me. And there's such power in her being vulnerable enough to cry in that moment and be sad because she's hurt, but also be like, I know exactly who I am. I don't give a shit what anyone else thinks of me. And that's why I love Toph because she just knows herself so well. Toph's great, and we get a great introduction to her in The Blind Bandit, too, because we learn that she's, like, a princess, essentially. She's the daughter of a royal family, and they always kind of want to keep her locked up and safe because she is blind. She's visually impaired. But we learn she has very easy, you know, it's very easy for her to see what's going on. She can use her earthbending skills as kind of like echolocation, like radar. She can see anything and everything around her, probably better than most people who are sighted can. Which I thought was great, not just for inclusion, but just great for storytelling. Because the way that they reveal her character, they show her kind of cooped up in her pen, um, you know, her palace. But then she's also participating in these underground fighting tournaments. Oh which my God, is just like, so wait, good. what? And she's yeah, this so t- the tiniest character. But they show her vision. They show her echolocation by... She can see when, like, her opponent steps into the ring. She sees the moment, like, his heel hits the floor. They have this kind of, like, graphic that goes out from his heel. And she sees it and then it's just like... Bop, and just like knocks him out of the ring with a <laughs> column of rock before he can even move. Like he, she doesn't have to see him to just send him flying. Um, right. But then the metal bending stuff comes later. So they introduce Toph. They kind of, she's got this kind of gruff exterior and she really doesn't let people get close to her for a long time, especially when she has to train uh, Aang and they are just butting heads because their innate styles and personalities just clash. They're not meant to work together. So the fact that they have to is really interesting for drama. But then later on, we see Toph in a precarious position. Uh, Earthbenders are taken captive by the Fire Nation. And the way that they keep them captive, because they're obviously very strong, is to suspend them in metal cages up off the ground, usually over uh, water, usually at sea. Because they don't have any, there's no earth for them to bend, so their bending abilities are gone. 
So they have nothing right. that they can do. So it's Toph who actually through, she calms herself down. She focuses on the situation. She reaches out and kind of meditates. And she can, she realizes that metal is just refined earth. So she finds all these little like grains of ore and minerals and stuff within the metal bars and can focus, focus enough on them to turn on her metal bending abilities and she can then learn how to shape metal. And it was one of the coolest moments from watching the show because yeah. you think they're, just, they're just like, they're stuck. They're screwed. There's no way they're getting out of this. And it doesn't dawn on you like, Oh, maybe she can just bend her way out of it until she does. And then it's a, it's a badass moment to see her kind of just like wreak havoc on these metal ships <laughs> as she just tears through them. It's, it's, it's so fun to watch, especially because then more characters are able to do that later with her instruction. It's pretty cool. There's a, there's a very fun moment in the the four part finale where they're on top of one of these zeppelins. Yeah. And uh, and I think she was up on top with uh Sokka. With Sokka. Yep, Sokka. Mm-hmm. And, and Sokka says, "Hey, can you do your metal bending to bend the ore so that these it veers off to this other side and crashes into these zeppelins?" And it looks like she's pulling her hand through cloth, the way that she's just metal bending and pulling the heck out of this this rudder. It is. So satisfying to watch. I looked over at Mel and I was like, I forgot about this. Yeah. And I love every minute mm-hmm. of it now. But good guy Sokka, because he, you know, like you mentioned, he went from being like, bending is weird. Why are you using these these stupid magic tricks? Like there's nothing. To a character who's like, he feels less than. He feels, he feels inadequate. He feels incompetent because he can't do any of that stuff. And he's, he's around these like world-class benders. And they're going up against people who are just as, if not more powerful at times. And he's got, right. he's got a stick... And like and a, a sword and a boomerang and he's yep. got some animal friends. So it's kind of like, but he's, he's a great character to watch um, all the way through. He's got romantic yeah. entanglements. He's there for comedic relief sometimes, but he's also just kind of the everyman, like the, the rooted character that he, even if he doesn't have these superpowers, he still just goes through and does what has to be done. So Dave, am I correct in saying that Toph is also your favorite Toph's character? Toph's my favorite, but then I get pulled into like, well, Zuko has one of the best villain mm. to anti-hero arcs in history. And like, you know, there, there's yeah. so many you could pick from. I, I feel the same way about Zuko. I yeah. think he is one of my favorite characters. I think Aang is my favorite character just, you know, because of, of watching his, his journey and sure. just sort of how playful and childlike he can be. And whenever he gets new mastery of a new element. It's very satisfying to kind of watch and see how he's able to incorporate that into what he's doing. But Zuko, pound for pound, has one of the most interesting arcs of being banished yep. to then, because he spoke up at a, at a war council meeting and his uncle had vouched for him to come into it. And so they're, they're put on a ship and he's sent off to, then he can't come back until he finds the Avatar. Right. And so this quest of being able to find it all the way up until the very end when Aang and Zuko have this moment where they they say, wow, what a what a crazy journey this has been over a year. And they're like, and we did it. And now we're friends. Yeah. And it's and they hug. And yeah. it's it's like so brothers. Yeah. It's an incredibly satisfying uh culmination or kind of finale for this story to sort of see the arc that he's been able to come on, especially of him being able to even protect other characters. Like when he's fighting, uh, was it Azula? Azula, yeah, his sister. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's fighting his sister and you're watching, you know, her mastery of lightning and her blue flame, which I was reading that her blue flame is because of, uh, I mean, I'm sure that obviously it's helpful to show the distinction in right. terms of, uh, yeah, you during, know. during combat. Fire yeah. Zuko, fire. yeah, Zuko's yeah. fire versus her fire, but hers is, is hotter. So it burns a blue. Right. Um, because of her mastery of lightning, but just to see uh, Zuko almost like try to sacrifice himself in that moment that things are happening, it, it's 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 unbelievable to see the the kind of full circle you know that he's been able to come just in terms of relying on other people or working with other people or as his uncle said, be able to take that moment, focus on his breath, and just kind of relax. And that confidence in him is something that you see that's complete different. Uh, completely different from sort of this impulsive, petulant child that he starts in the first episode. Well, that's that's what I love about Zuko. He's kind of torn in two different ways. So on on one you know one shoulder, he has Uncle Iroh, who's very he's kind of reserved, he's relaxed, he's he's super powerful, but he doesn't need to show that strength at every drop of the hat. On the other side, he has his dad, Fire Lord Ozai, who essentially is the imbalance in this world now. He's the one who's causing all the trouble. Right. He's the one who wants to take over everything, and he's it's looking like he's going to do it. Like right up until the very last episode. Uh, yeah. We didn't we didn't talk about the mythology, but there's a comet that arrives and it boosts the 
Fire Nation's power is like a hundredfold or whatever. Right. So the fact that it looks like for the majority of the series, like Fire Nation's going to win. Like, sorry, buds, you tried, <laughs> but you ran out of time. He's pulled in those two different directions, but then he's on a, on a, a closer to his age level. He can he can ally with the Avatar and listen to him, or he can be pulled with his sister, who goes completely crazy by the oh by my the god, and she's so great to watch satisfying. too. It's great, yes. but so he's satisfying. pulled in both of those directions over time, and a great B story to the series is seeing which way he goes and where he eventually ends up and how he gets there. Right, absolutely. I think we've talked a lot about the things that are remarkable about the Last Airbender. I want to talk about some things that maybe didn't work as well for us and kind of dig into them. Is there anything that anybody wants to talk about? I'm I'm kind of at a loss uh, for things to talk about that were challenging within this cartoon. I just kind of mentioned that I'd, I'd like more mythology kind of not explained because that gets boring and tedious, but I just want more answers and I want more from the world. But that's it, man. Like everything else is is pretty perfect. If we call them elemental calorians, would that help? No, that'd be awful. Like people no. Who- are you sure? That'd be absolutely awful. If Qui-Gon Jinn shows up in no. this and is just like, I'm going to give you like a prick You're an earthbender, Harry. Like, wait, what? What <laughs> oh my franchise God. are we even in anymore? <laughs> You're canceled. <laughs> Sean, you are canceled. I think I think Mel has a legitimate complaint, though. Yeah, my complaint is they took Appa away from us for too many episodes yep. in the middle of the series. And, you know, and Appa had his, had his own journey, but... There were no yip-yips, and I take issue with that. I didn't deserve that. I didn't deserve that heartbreak. No one else deserved that heartbreak. Aang was without his buddy. I didn't like that. I mean, Appa does come Come back. back. Yes, he's fine. But for the time that Appa's gone, Appa didn't need to leave. We've talked a lot about the human characters, but these are some of the, the animal supporting characters that you have that are just as important in this cartoon as the human characters. Do you want to explain to me what Appa actually is? Appa? Is a flying bison. Yes. From the air nomad land. Correct. And Appa is Aang's best friend. Right. And when Aang was in trouble, Appa transported him away, but then they were caught in a terrible storm, fell into the water, and then Aang protected them in that ice bubble. Right. So those two are like the last surviving members of the air nomads, basically. Correct. So to take one of those away, to Mel's point, is like tragic. He's basically the like the good little pup of this story. So anytime something happens to a good doggo, people lose it, and that's what happens with with Appa. I just can't. I love the design of Appa, and I I want to take that a step further and just say I love the design of like pretty much all the animals in this world because they mash up various animals that do not belong together, like saber tooth moose. Uh, (laughs) They mash up all kinds of animals from our world and put them in this world so a great moment is when Sokka is supposed to be like hunting and he comes across this little uh, saber tooth moose cub who mm-hmm. he he gets Sokka gets stuck essentially and this cub is just kind of like keeping him company so he nicks, nicknames him Fufu Cuddly Poops and it's just like <laughs> stupid silly moments like that in the series like they keep everything super light and fun but I also remember them and I, I again, I just love the animal designs uh, in all these things. The, there's right. a lot of fun to be had. Yeah, you can't forget about Momo. Momo's Momo great. being the delightful lemur flying squirrel mashup, right? Who's mistaken for a monkey sometimes? Yes, yes. adorable. I, I think even the design of Appa, just of, of having this giant head, you know, big nose. He has like six legs, and, and then freaking ta- flies. Yeah, flies. Yeah. But he has a tail that kind of looks like a platypus tail. Yep. Which is, is super interesting. So even if we say flying bison, that doesn't really even pay it right. the respect that it deserves because there's so much more about what's in here. This actually kind of goes into a little bit uh, of the LOLs for me is that I think just the animals in this show, Dave, as you mentioned, yeah. are phenomenal. And you know, even uh, some of the characters that they have that were that were in there, even as we were watching Tales of Bossing Say, they have uh, you know the two or three animal combination hybrids that they make. Again, as we talked about, uh, very relatable and very accessible to anybody who is a, of any age that's watching this. It's fun to kind of see those those aggregates of those different animals. And in Tales of Bossing Say, they have where Aang is creating a zoo that's outside for some animals that have gotten out. They have this kangaroo rabbit, uh, almost like groundhog kind of hybrid, which is super fun to watch. And it is... I don't know. It's just it's it's funny to kind of see something that you know that's accessible, that's relatable, 
in a new kind of shifted way. And those things are just so adorable. Like I want one. I want all the weird things that they have that are in this show. And I want, I want Dee want Bradley animals. Baker to come to my house and make all the noises because he makes <gasps> all the character yes. creature yes. noises in this too. And he does a great job. I want CRISPR to create these animals. If you're not familiar with CRISPR, it's gene editing. I want CRISPR to gene edit animals yeah. and make them together. That's what I want. Those I things are so cute. I just want a liger. Oh, wait, those exist. Those exist. Those, yeah. mm-hmm. And they're huge. Are they really? Oh, they're enormous. Oh, God. <laughs> like I don't feel good about this. Long. Do not look that up. I do want not a liger. look that up. How do I buy a liger? <laughs> oh, my God. Alexa? How do I buy a liger? So I found the animals to be delightful yeah. and very funny and, and and a good comic relief in terms of what we had for, for something that's as weighty as a hundred year war that, you know, in its hundred and first year is coming to a conclusion right. for this, this cartoon. What else did you guys find interesting? Mel, what did you find funny about this particular cartoon? Sokka's general antics where he <laughs> believes... That's, he, all you, that's all you had to say. <laughs> he, he just thinks he is the shit. And it is so funny to watch him think he's the shit. So then it makes it even better when he actually does do something like legitimately good that's helpful for everyone. And you're like, you've come so far from being an asshole. I love you. <laughs> Great job. So yeah, I think Sokka is the fun, like the funniest. I don't know. Sokka definitely has to carry a lot of the humor, like physical humor and then also situational stuff because he's not, nobody's really counting on him to do specific things. Sorry, Sokka, but you're a good part of the team, but nobody's like looking at you and being like, are you going to do like Avatar stuff? So I love the fact that he gets to do that. But honestly, just the humor throughout the series is really balanced, really well done throughout. And uh, a tip of the hat to Joaquin Dos Santos and Lauren Montgomery Two creatives we've talked about in the past who kind of cut their teeth on this series. They, they've done stuff before that, but this was a major one for them. And that led to things like uh, Legend of Korra and Voltron that they were able mm-hmm. to do after this. So kind of standouts from the show. And I like to think that they've kind of got, you know, the secret formula of whatever made Avatar work. They're able to take that into to other projects as well. Um, and I'm hoping that more of that stuff in the future um, just gets more and more refined and gives us more and more favorite things like this to talk about. I mean, Legendary Defender, very balanced, Absolutely. just in terms of yeah. humor and seriousness and tone. Some missteps here and there that people Every are, once in are a while. more harsh on them for than I think uh, they deserve, but yeah. No, they do They do a great job, so it's it's wonderful to kind of see that progression uh, and sort of see familiar names that are not voice actors, but are actually behind the scenes in terms of either storyboarding or writing or production to kind of have those lessons learned from something as successful as avatar because i mean it's tough it's tough to top this that's for sure it's it's kind of crazy that that it is as good as it was with just kind of like that team behind the scenes so seeing those team members get to break out and do their own things and then maintain that quality is it's just fun to watch right absolutely anything else that we found funny lol worthy about stuff that happened before we get into our recommendations any final thoughts i think that's it for me just watch just watch ang smash into that statue again that's all you need (laughs) That's all you need for for a good laugh. All right. Well, we are now at the point where we can give our recommendation about Avatar The Last Airbender. I'm pretty sure over the last hour, you've probably figured out kind of where we we sit on all of this. And so for anybody who's listening for the first time and new to the show in 2020, just a heads up, we can recommend a show and we can tell you why you should watch this program. We can also say we don't recommend it. We can give you a justification about why we think you can spend your time better elsewhere. Finally, if we really don't like something, we can go one step further and we can give it the dip. Yes, the dip from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. We can dip it in the dip and erase it from the annals of cartoon history, never to be talked about on this show again. 2019 ended with me trying to dip a cartoon, and now 2020 is kicking off with something else that we're going to talk about. So, Melanie Harker, what is your feeling? What are your stance? Where do you fall in terms of Avatar The Last Airbender? I think you should dip this cartoon in a cup of jasmine tea because it's so comforting. Oh, nice. Nice. Do you like that misdirection? This is good. Um, Not only should you have a cup of tea and dip a cookie into it while you're watching it, but you should also pay money to see this cartoon because it is just that good. And there's also no free way you can watch it anymore. Uh, So I would say this is a show that is so good. And if you are looking to raise your status of 
culture that you're in taking, you should 100% spend your time and money on Avatar The Last Airbender. The series, not the movie. Understood. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you, Melanie. Mm-hmm. Dave, where are you going to land on Avatar The Last Airbender? I also think it should be dipped. Um, but seriously because it's too good and it's kind of unfair for every other <laughs> show out there to compete with. It's kind of That's skewing ter- the scales a little bit. Terrible. And I feel like you guys did too good a job and uh, we're going to need you to not do that. No, it's a great show. I mean, it's one of the best car- one of the best shows ever made, but definitely one of the best cartoons animated series ever made. And since then, some have come close. Um, but it's crazy to think that it's been more than 10 years since it went off the air and 15 years now that uh it, that it showed up at all so definitely one you have to seek out it's a must watch that's my recommendation right. we're gonna be three for three on this this yeah. is uh this is a this is a don't run a don't walk this is a sprint as fast as you possibly can to be able to watch this show it is it is that good and i agree with melanie i think that that is a great way of putting it pay money to see this yeah. mm-hmm. pay money to watch this, whether it's the the fifteen year box set, you yeah, have the collector's edition. It's like a hundred bucks, I think. Steelbook, all kinds of, of behind the scenes stuff, which is where most of this knowledge that we have comes from today, from actually just sitting down and enjoying and watching that. So yeah, exactly. What beverages would you guys dip this dip Avatar into? Like I picked jasmine tea. Yeah. Okay. What would you dip it into, Dave? What preserves it for like eternity? Because that. Um. Titanium is probably good. Probably titanium. not Jello. I'm gonna go okay. titanium. Like okay. Molten and then titanium. You're gonna drink that titanium, and then it's gonna be a problem. Be preserved in my stomach forever. Yeah. Sean, what beverage would you dip this into? You know, I don't know a lot because you had a great tea reference, and I feel like it should stay in the tea family. It could. And I don't really know a ton about tea other than maybe like oolong tea. So I would say probably PG tips. Oh, that's, I mean. A nice a nice chai would probably go well too. Oh, yeah, a nice English. chai would go yeah. well. A nice yeah. chai would go well. Hmm. Yeah. I'd put it in Coca-Cola just to shine it up and mm. get it get it real shiny and burnished. Yep. But then I don't even feel that that would be fair to other cartoons than to make this cartoon even shinier than it already that's is. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Delicious. Uh, I'll stick with molten titanium, which is a normal <laughs> response. <laughs> Very normal response to be- for beverages. Dave yeah, for is beverages. our titanium bender. <laughs> yep. I st- I'm an earth bender, I guess. I so. like it. There you go. Oh, man. Well, Melanie Harker, thank you so much for coming on Thanks, and Mel. being our guest for this You're show. You're welcome. Uh, where could the good people find you or what do you have going on if you'd like to plug anything? I'm doing nothing with my life except spending it with this ginger. So Jeez. tweet me for any ideas about what I could do with my life at Melanie Gwynn, G-W-Y-N-N-E. It's Welsh. Anyway, and on the Instagram, I'm the same, at Melanie Gwynn. So at me, if you like. Perfect. Give her tips on how to get Sean off of social media. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We both have a problem in this house, so it's... Untrue. That is slander. Slander. We... Understood. I'll take good note. Good note. Wow. Fake news and slander. <laughs> Jesus. Hey, Dave, where can we find you on the internet? <laughs> you can find me as always over on Collider.com. You can also check me out on Twitter at Dr. I love it. We have, a, we have a usurping situation in the studio. It's amazing. <laughs> and if you still haven't done so, you can check out my new book, Science of Breaking Bad, available anywhere those types of books are sold. How about you, Sean? What's going on, bud? Oh, man. Well, as always, I am uh, <laughs> I do live improv comedy with a group that's called Knox. That's N-O-X exclamation point. You can find tickets and times at witdc.org. And I'm always on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Paul Ellis. This is my cry for help in 2020. Please get me off social media in any way, shape or form. No more social media 2020. I'll probably still be on there. Don't worry about it. I'm, how else am I going to get news and, and important information and listicles? That's how that works. Right, gang? How else are we going to keep up with Bobby Anthem and what he's been up to? Oh, gang. Well, we know that we had Bobby Anthem on the show, and you can hear him on his Paranormal podcast, Inhuman Experience, with his co-host Bobby Blades. You can find them on Twitter at IEXP underscore podcast. And Bobby has a solo show that is in the same feed as Inhuman Experience called In Search of My Lost Soul. You should definitely check it out. I love it. Love Bobby. He's the best. It's available where you find that exact same podcast, Inhuman Experience. Go check it out. And as for this show, want to support us? You know what? Tell a friend. 
just tell a friend and tell them that they might enjoy this. We'd really appreciate it. We're also going to say, rate us and review us on Apple iTunes. We have no idea how that works or if that even helps. So do it. Don't do it. We're fine. We also don't know how the internet works. So it's plenty okay. You can slide into our DMs on Twitter at Morning Tunes. Remember, that's morning with a U. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Saturday Morning Cartoons. You can also drop us an email, SaturdayMorningCartoons at gmail.com. You can find every single one of these links as well as also where to listen to the show on any of our social media bios in the link section. It looks like the word link tree. Don't worry. It just opens up a page with a bunch of buttons that directs you to all the fun things that you want. And as always, you can listen to us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, anywhere fine podcasts are sold. This has been the first episode of 2020 New Year Nicktoons. We're doing it with Avatar. This is great. We're going to be back with another one. And we're actually going to be maybe mixing it up a little bit in terms of what we have for New Year's Nicktoons. So this is our first episode of the new year. uh, And then I think we're going to get into the New Year's Nicktoon cat scratch. Couldn't even tell you what that was. I have no No idea. No clue. Is it as good as Avatar? 100% can't be. (laughs) (laughs) I want to start measuring everything against Avatar. It's going to be a slaughter. Yeah, no, don't. Everything's going to get dipped and not into Just a year of dips. Uh, Yeah. Well, that's it from us. So thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening to Saturday Morning Cartoons. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to transform and roll out.